It's the Early Access Podcast, episode 64, December 1st, 2021. We usually record on Tuesdays, but Keeler was out in the middle of absolutely nowhere in France, and I was actually really busy yesterday. So recording this one on Wednesday, but we're usually live Tuesday at 4 p.m. PT on twitch.tv slash It is now 4.28 p.m. PT on Wednesday instead. But it is now officially December, which means we're in the very last month of the very fun year that was 2021. And we're going to talk about some stuff that happened this week, including the Mr. Beast Squid Game YouTube video that came out. That was huge. We're going to talk a little bit about the VR arcade that I used to work at is closing down that Kuler and I really liked going to, and then some stuff about scalpers. But first, I want to talk about an update from a story from last week where we talked about Streamlabs and Streamlabs OBS and the whole Streamlabs fiasco, them being super shady, literally copying marketing and website copy from other people's websites. And uh, just overall, everyone was super outraged on it on Twitter. At Gaming Careers, which is actually a fantastic resource, I love Pete from Gaming Careers, uh, tweeted out that only 4,000 affiliates and 200 partners have switched from using Streamlabs as their donation alert provider in the past two weeks, according to scans done on channel pages. I'm hoping more creators at least switch their streaming software to OBS Studio, but no real way of knowing. So, Everyone on Twitter was pissed off if you guys didn't hear about Streamlabs OBS because of the very shady things that they did with uh, the stealing the OBS name. They, they didn't really steal it because as Kula laid it out really well last week, it's open, uh, what, what is it called, Kula? It's not open license. It's open I mean, open the license is a, it's a free, yeah, it's a free open source license. Although I think the name is not part of that. So the name actually might have been something else. But I didn't, I didn't know. I asked someone about trademarks regarding the name. Yeah, they straight up took the name and people didn't know that it wasn't part of OBS. So when there's user confusion like that, they can go to the wrong, literally the wrong company for support. Uh, it can cause a lot of problems, especially with branding and all that. But that has not had as large of an impact on people actually using Streamlabs. I personally, I said, don't use Streamlabs, use OBS Studio. And that's actually what we use to record the podcast on because I haven't used Streamlabs anything in years and years, ever since we had that chain of followers that I got. Some guy made 50 accounts. I forgot if I told this last week, but he made 50 accounts and it was all accounts under the name like Nikki Eats Poop or Nikki is a <laughs> N-word, which is categorically untrue. I'm Filipino. I don't know why you would say yeah. that. You just look at me. But I've, ever since then, I actually turned off follow notifications. That was way back in the day, and I never turned them back on. So hopefully more people move off of Streamlabs OBS because they are not an incredibly well-put-together and pretty shady company. By the way, a few more short stories before we get into the big stuff. Vanguard Warzone uh, they announced a couple details on it, including my favorite change. They're going to change the way your gas mask interacts with the gas because there have been so many times that I've been what? playing Warzone and I would be in a firefight, right? I'd literally be shooting at someone and my character would drop their gun to put their gas mask on. I'm firing bullets into the nether, hitting nothing, and then I get killed. Super annoying. And it seems like after, what, two years of Warzone being out, they're finally changing how the gas mask works. And there's going to be a new map. They're calling it the Caldera, which is going to be based in the Pacific. And I'm hoping there's no 
I looked at the screenshots of the map and I didn't see any 50 story tall buildings or anything like that, which I don't is think a there were pain. any tall buildings in the Pacific. I don't think there still are, at least not in the places where the war was fought. I still don't think there are any tall buildings around there. Yeah. So I'm really hoping they change how much elevation plays into Warzone because it's a real pain when you're running through downtown and you just get shot from a building. And it's like, did I get shot from that 20-story building or did I get shot from that 30-story building? Who knows? <laughs> and whenever you kill someone on top of a building, you can never finish them off. If you have an airstrike, maybe you get lucky and they didn't crawl into a door or someone picked them up by then. But it's just super annoying. I really, I, I've said it before. I think Verdansk is the worst Battle Royale map I've ever played on. I think Apex players might disagree with me because there's one map in that game that they really hate. But I, I legitimately think across Apex, At least it's caused, I, it's caused you pain that I've been able to yeah. listen to because I've never subjected myself to it. But I've definitely heard things and seen clips. Also, one of those clips involved your gas mask coming on. I, it's more important for me to shoot. I'll take a little bit of damage from the gas. It's a little bit more important that I, I kill think the guy shooting at we had an episode about me. that, actually. How is it working now? Is it like Verdun style now? Like how I always I wanted no it beforehand? Which we'll is the... You, you, your gas mask comes on when you want it to come on, you know? Like, if you want to run into the gas guns blazing and, like, die in the process, like, you, that's your choice, you know? There are a lot of instances where I would take less damage choking on the gas than I would if I didn't kill this guy yeah, because that's he's why actively I do shooting it at sometimes. me. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, you know, just, just let the gas hit me for a bit. I'm okay. Bra the other day, so way back in the day, I'm not going to call it the original Battle Royale, but the original Battle Royale that kind of blew up on Twitch, PUBG, which I absolutely fucking hated also. It's not even the original armor-based Battle Royale, so yeah, it's definitely not. Yeah, yeah. The, in PUBG, I was swimming through the water, and this was on stream. I don't even know if we saw the clip, but as I was swimming through the water and the gas was coming... I ran into an invisible wall and I couldn't get past that invisible wall. I remember this. And I died. That <laughs> happened to Bra the other day in Warzone. He hit an invisible wall. Oh my wall. god! It's really he got around it. He got okay, around it, he got but around eventually it. he got around it like a hall of mirrors or something. You know, eventually you find your way around. Eventually you find your way around it and you find the underground lair. I, anyway, I really hated Verdansk. I'm glad it's gone. Uh, Warzone Pacific couldn't have come soon enough. I was really disappointed when Cold War came out and they just released the same map in a different color with bigger buildings. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, they they released, when they put Rambo into the game, they released uh, the super big tower that's bigger than any other building in the game. And for some <laughs> reason, when they released Cold War Warzone, they put the array in the middle of the map. It's like... Just a bunch of, I don't know, like yeah, it's sticks the radio and array. grids. It's the radio yeah. array, yes. And I the don't old, know why like, that's there, because I thought it would become something, or become part of the story. kind of thing? Yeah, and it, it never there did. There was kind of a... No, it was, in the, it was in the campaign, I think. That was the oh, whole yeah, point, yeah. was they were going to use their radio array to like broadcast the nuclear bombs or something like that. I don't remember, but... But it never became part of the Warzone story. It never evolved. It never like changed. It's just a giant-ass grid of array material in the middle of the map and you can't actually even shoot through parts of it so if there's someone above you and they're on a grating you can't actually shoot up through it to you kill can't them shoot through the grating okay. no even though bullets could very easily go through it because bullets are smaller than the grates itself i but remember anyway. when i was watching um when i was watching a uh, fire punch play the phantom pain the metal gear solid uh there was like one part where he was like 
he shot someone because it's a stealthy kind of game he shot someone through like the cracks in like a piece of like wood you know like like a wooden plank or like a wooden pallet or i guess he shot someone through between like the cracks and we were like yeah i mean that's pretty cool you know modern games and the old ones that would just be one asset like solid asset right but now you can actually like go in between but i guess grading is is to be fair that game's already huge so maybe we shouldn't just make it one asset yeah maybe that's why let's not make more actually the boys have been telling me to play warzone on pc so that because it's just better on pc like you can see through the gas you can see people a little bit better you can there's an fov slider on pc i'm my ps5 is only a warzone machine and I'm playing on the PS4 version because there's no PS5 version of Warzone. So I've been like, Nikki, just play on PC. And so I tried to plug in my DualShock 5 into my PC and it doesn't work straight off the bat. I think it's because Sony didn't release drivers for it or something. But I can't use my $200 Battle Beaver controller because I'm, I'm much better on controller than I am keyboard and mouse. It's just a fact of life. And so it didn't work straight up when I plugged it in. So I just didn't play and I went back to PS5. But I do want to get it working. And uh, one of the things that I realized when you download Warzone on PC, because I hadn't done it before and this was what was preventing me from doing it before, is it's like 90 gigs to just play Warzone on PC, which is pretty fat. So I Because download- if you're playing a different game, I keep asking I really this. would like to. I re- it's just Warzone is so popular on on TikTok. I feel like it's the it's the TikTok that thing that I do. True. I mean, I enjoy playing with the boys, but also I don't know anything. I haven't released a TikTok in like two or three weeks or something. Like that. I'm kind that of slacking too. off. Like, but you're not even releasing I, any content. I really like working on TikTok content, and I don't really want to do dances, and I I can't do like art or music or anything like that. I have no other talents or something. We I did could see do the shanties, shanties. last night. <laughs> but uh, there's nothing I really, there's nothing else I really want to do on TikTok for myself, unless I had some other people. Uh, and so I just kind of, I enjoy making Warzone content for TikTok because we've had some of it do pretty well. The one where Ryan asked a random player, would you suck a dick for $10,000? For $10,000. Uh, that, that got pretty controversial. That got me, uh, that got me 10000 views and it's not so much about good gameplay i feel where on twitch if you want to be big in warzone you have to have good gameplay and i'm no expert at uh warzone yeah you youtube and and any any like like non-live content has generally been about the entertainment value and not necessarily yeah, about how good you are there's an audience for the other ones i guess on twitch too but you have to like be really really good at the entertainment value i guess you have, you have to be, be a really like, good like editor. Sherma or whoever that is who like does the craziest shit that I, I keep hearing about on my feed and it sounds like a bot-generated absurd horror kind of thing. That that seems like the kind of like level you gotta be at. But anyway, TikTok it's is just for bad. fun. TikTok, TikTok and this podcast are, I mean, I've made zero dollars off both of those things combined, so it really is just for fun. I have, I have been playing, we'll talk about it a little later, uh, Pokemon, because the remakes came out, but I'll talk about that I'll be able to learn on the show. Let's talk about NFTs because Leo tweeted Yay. out my friend Leo. <laughs> I, now, I I don't know, despite being a Silicon Valley tech bro, almost anything about NFTs. But at this point, everyone knows about the stupid monkeys and the randomly generated <laughs> the character avatars. The ugliest things ever. They're really the ugliest things. They're, they're super ugly. But 
This person tweeted, and I don't know, Leo blocked out their name. He said, oh, no, you didn't. And he tweeted a picture of a tweet with NFTs in it. He stole, Leo simultaneously stole a bunch of N- NFTs while making this tweet. <laughs> but I don't know if this is a joke. I just thought it was funny, and I, I do think it was a joke. Trigger warning, swears, caps. NFT phobia is one of the biggest problems on this website without a fucking doubt. The unchecked amounts of hate, threats, and harassment that we POC, people of crypto, have to face on an everyday basis is crushing. Join me in trying to stop NFT phobia. This is hilarious because Keeler and I are both people of color. So you can't, Twitch can't get mad at me for I'm people of many things too. We are not people of, we are not people of crypto. Actually, I do own some Dogecoin, but I wouldn't consider myself. It's kind of like if you take a picture, you're not a photographer. Right. Yeah, I'm, not exactly. a, I'm not a people of crypto. I, I think I own like 50 cents in Ethereum, which is like 0. 0.0 however many bits of Ethereum that I needed just to like have a, a thing. I, I had to help someone with like an API and it required me to buy Ethereum. It's a long story. It, it was related to, crypt, to crypto and it was like just breaking out. But who knows how much? Maybe it's worth like a dollar now or something. Maybe, maybe I, I keep that in there. In and maybe I can cash in and get myself a croissant or something with my... That, that'll be my crypto investment story. We have uh, a bunch of bots have been DMing me on Discord, faking. So I'm in the MetaZoo. I talked about MetaZoo a couple of episodes ago, but I'm in the MetaZoo Discord. MetaZoo is a... Basically, it's a card game that I stopped playing because it is basically all just scalpers. It's unbelievably expensive to play and not even proportionally as fun to play as it is expensive. So MetaZoo is a card game. And I got a DM from the official MetaZoo game server, which already sets off some red flags because servers can't DM people. And it was asking me to mint some secret gold coins for MetaZoo. And I got a couple DMs like this, and then I got a couple of DMs because I'm in some VR servers from uh, other people who are like, yo, Nikki, we're putting... Now, this is actually, I'm going to admit, cooler than the monkeys. We're doing a minting for these NFTs, and instead of it being monkeys, it was like fighters. So you would change like the, the wraps around their fists, and it would change like the scars on their face and the hair and the hat and the kind of martial art they did. So that admittedly was like kind of cool. At least the art was, but it still was not cool enough for me to pay more than a dollar. The bar is literally like through the floor and getting worse every time because the monkeys are just legitimately the worst like avatar like anyone could have. So I understand like literally anything else just seems, you know, better, I guess. It was creative. I'll give them that. But I really just don't care. And so the only other thing I've ever gotten spam DMs on Discord for were for Call of Duty hacking lobbies where it's like, oh, join this lobby, get level 1,000 right away, and get all your guns maxed out. That's that's very obviously a scam. I know it works in like MW2. I don't know. You probably get banned for the modern Call of Duties. But anything where people are mass DMing people from bot accounts to do something rings scam in my head. I'm not educated on enough on NFTs to know whether or not it's a scam or actually going to be the next big thing. But I'm just saying this is putting another point in the scam category when bots are DMing me to buy NFTs. Doesn't seem doesn't seem legit, in my opinion. Okay, so anyway, we talked about my friend Leo earlier. And I'm glad we have Kuehler on for this episode because 
this isn't going to mean a lot to a lot of you guys, but the stories are going to be pretty cool. Before I, well, before I started this podcast and after I was a full-time professional Twitch streamer, I worked at several different VR arcades. At this point, they've all closed. But the last VR arcade I worked at was called the Hero Hangout in San Mateo. Cooler would come by and visit all the time. And it was run by my friend Leo, who I met at another job. So I was one of the supervisors there. It was basically an elevated retail job. I got paid much higher than minimum wage, but uh, you had to work with the public a lot. We had a lot of weirdos come in, but Leo announced the other day, uh, he says, it was fun while it lasted, but the Hero Hangout Arcade will be closed for December. It was a decision from above and I can't do anything about it. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think we'll reopen anytime soon, at least not at the same location after this pandemic. And from what I know from having worked at the business, is the pandemic hits VR arcades particularly hard because there are a yes. lot of extra um, precautions you need to put in place when you're at a VR arcade. There's, of course, the social distancing, but when you're literally putting something in your eyes that's public use, right? We're all like sanitizing our hands all the time and stuff like that. But when you're wearing a VR headset on your face, that's got to be like the germiest, least sanitary, easiest way to, to conduct COVID and pass it on to everyone who goes to that arcade that I can think of. And so there are some technologies out there that, you know, of course, even before COVID, we wiped down the headsets all the time, but there are technologies out there that use ultraviolet light and stuff to clean the headset. And they've actually been scientifically uh, proven to be able to get bacteria off of the headset using lights and all that clinically proven. But all that means that's extra overhead because you have to get more equipment. You can have less customer throughput because the longer you have to spend disinfecting equipment, the less people you can get in through the day, the less of a profit you get to make. And all these things combined put together mean that VR arcades really aren't doing too well. And then Leo closed this one down. So I wanted to take a minute to tell some of the stories that I had from working at this place. Because this is one of the only, I guess, I, I've worked with a lot of people, but I didn't really work retail jobs. I haven't worked at like Costco or Target or Walmart or anything like that. So this is one of the most customer facing jobs that I've ever had. I guess you can argue being a professional Twitch streamer is very, very customer facing also, but this is the most normal job I've worked uh, is what I'm going to say. Now, first off, working with Leo was is fantastic. I loved working there. I loved my coworkers, but there were some shenanigans that happened there. There was one time we had this lady come in and I'm sitting at the front desk, so I'm not able to see people's lower bodies. And she comes in with presumably her boyfriend and I set them up in their VR station. They're all in these like little, their own little cubes so they can't punch each other. And they're out there playing. And so Leo walks by and, and sees her in the cube and comes up to me and says, Nikki, uh, you know, you don't have to tell people to take off their shoes before they go into the station. And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about, Leo? I didn't tell her that. She's like, oh, well, she's just not wearing her shoes. I'm like, oh, maybe she like put them to the side or something. We come to realize that this lady wasn't wearing shoes when she came in. And wasn't leaving shoes when she left. Right after that, we had an act of policy where you have to wear shoes in the building for, for obvious reasons. Going to a VR arcade is not cheap. It's not something that you do. It's literally a dollar a minute. So 60 minutes, 50 to $60 for an hour. You know, so she could very, very clearly afford shoes. I, I just don't know why she wasn't wearing it in downtown San Mateo. It's not the, not the cleanest thing to be walking around outside without shoes. And she's also super rude. There was one part where her boyfriend's 
headset cut out for something like five minutes, cable disconnected or something like that. So I got it fixed. And I'm like, hey, man, I'll give you five extra minutes. Don't worry about it. And after they finished their session, she comes up to me and is like, oh, but can we get a refund? Kind of carrying me because his headset cut off for five minutes. And I couldn't talk to him. I'm like, no, no. And he was like, no, no, honey, it's all good. And I'm like, yeah, I extended his time. It's all fine. Um, and that that also wasn't a problem that impacted her. It was impacting him. And so she thought he couldn't stand up for himself. Anyway, she was just a fucking weirdo. I never saw her again. And I don't know why. She's the only person I've ever met who's not homeless, who chose not to wear shoes or socks outdoors. This lady was barefoot in the station. And I don't... Keel, were you there when this happened? I was not there for the for the Hobbit woman. No. <laughs> I was not there for that. Woman. I like that. I think there was... There were a couple that you were there for. There, was there were one a night. few, yes. There's some crazy ones that I definitely was present for. Yeah, there was one night where no one had come in for six hours or something like that. It's really not that busy on like a Thursday night, right? So I'm like, Keeler, Keeler doesn't work here, by the way. Keeler, no, I'm gonna I never step worked out. there. I'm gonna go. I never, got, no, I never, never got a single. Not only did I not get a single like cent out of the out of the hero hangout i never paid a single cent into the hero hangout so i have some maybe responsibility for its closure but i mean the pandemic is really the real reason no money has ever been transferred between me and the hero hangout no never there was one night it was a really really slow night no one had come in literally all day i was just sitting there hanging out talking to Kuehler, and this is before Kuehler lived in paris for those of you who know Kuehler's not within yeah, i used to live i used to live in san mateo so i was like five minute drive from the arcade which is why i went there pretty often yeah Kuehler is uh Kuehler, i now have to deal with Kuehler's 300 millisecond delay audio but back then i was able to talk to her instantly because <laughs> things we were, were literally great the same things building. used to be great now there's a large distance it's great so no one had walked in all day for six hours i'm like Kuehler, i'm gonna go next door i'm gonna get some noodles literally next door it is literally next door i'm gonna get some noodles i'll be right back Make sure no one walks in and steals the headsets. So I, I was literally gone for, it must have been 45 seconds because I have my order like memorized. I'm just in there. They have a little computer, bap, 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 put your email, come back in. I'm gone for 45 seconds. I leave the door, go over to the noodle shop, take another peek at the door of the store that I'm working at, the Hero Hangout, and then go in and get my noodles. Sometime within the next 45 seconds, some guy walks in, walks past Kuehler and just puts a headset on and yes. is like, let's go. Yes. Let's start I, playing. I to, like, I got up and I'm like, hey, hey, I have to like do damage control. I learned how to work there. Like I were, I was never paid there, but I worked there, I guess. I pretty much learned the various things you have to know, I guess, to be there. Um, One of which is you pay before you play the game. Yeah, (laughs) they didn't even come up to me, like, sitting at the front desk, which I was sitting at to man the front desk, and they never came up to me. They just went straight there, and now I'm, like, trying to, like, stop them from just grabbing the headset, and they're just kind of adamant on it, and then, like... Then Nikki finally walks back after doing his order, and I'm just giving you like the like, please help me look like this guy just wants to play VR before doing anything, and I don't know what to do. What is their line of thinking? So I I place my order. You get a little beeper, right? Because I I work so close yes. to the noodle shop, I have my little beeper, and it works there. So I just go back and get my noodles, right? So I was gone for 45 seconds, literally. 
And I come back in, this guy's wearing the headset. Now, I don't understand what's going through this guy's mind. When you go to a movie theater, do you just walk past the guy selling tickets, walk past the concession sometimes. stand and go take a fucking seat? Like some Sometimes, actually. I have to, I'm going to be honest here. Yes, sometimes I have done that. I mean, you can, I guess, but one time like, I he just doesn't I'm have like, controllers. I had to trans. I had to like. I wanted to go see another one, and I just walked right in. And the guy saw me, and I'm like, "Hey!" And then I just walked right in and took a seat. This is a this is a full like grown adult. <laughs> like if you if you go to like the golfing range or something like that, do you just pick up a golf club and like a bucket of balls and just start swinging like? What you, if you go to the rock climbing gym, do you just fucking put on some shoes, don't even put your harness on, and start fucking climbing walls? Like, bro, what's happening? You, like, bolt what in there just immediately mind? start climbing up like you're Spider-Man. So there there have been other times where we had Wait, a racing I have to mention. Rig. I have to mention, so the oh, rule... We had we had the rule at the Hero Hangout that if, you, if, an, if all the employees leave, a customer will show up. Because the same thing happened to me, although you were actually not there. So I had a friend come visit... They were not from the U.S., so it was, like, a big deal. We were touring around, and then, like, everyone, I was going to take them to Taishoken. And so, like, many places, and, like, like uh, many people have done before, the Hero Hangout is a wonderful waiting room for Taishoken because the waiting time is, like, 40 minutes to even two hours on peak times. And you can, instead of waiting in the cold, you can just go into the arcade and chill because it's, like, two or to three doors down from the noodle place, from the ramen shop. Um... And Taco was there, I remember. So it wasn't you, but it was Taco was there. He was on his shift at the time. And then he did the same thing. He's like, I'm going to go do the philosophy. And then I'm, I go to sit at the desk. And he's like, oh, you don't have to sit there. I was like, no, 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 Taco, I have to sit at this desk because as soon as you leave, a customer will show up. And he gave me the same like thing you did, which was like, no, no one's been here for like six hours. I've been sitting here and not a single person has shown up. Don't worry. He leaves. And then and so I, t- I turn to my friend. I'm like, as soon as he leaves, a customer is going to show up. He leaves. Three seconds later, a customer shows up. And I have to do the whole introduction thing. It happens every single time someone leaves the building. We had another time. So not only did we have VR stations there, we can do like standing VR things that everyone's familiar with now. We also had a racing rig. Now, this is a full-on racing rig that like when you turn the chair leans, you're in VR. The wheel actually fights you back. Like it has resistance, right? And the car operates very much like a real car, except it won't wreck. And we've turned it down a little bit so people don't like fling themselves if they crash into a wall through the front of the chair because you're not actually wearing a seatbelt. So we turn down a little bit of the motion, but for the most part, it's very realistic driving. Any time that I've done it, now I've been at this point driving for 11 years. I got my license when I was 15 or I got my permit. And then as soon as I was able to drive myself, I was able to drive myself. Like literally the moment I was able to operate a vehicle, I, I was getting my license and my permits and all that. So I've been driving for a long time. I have never had a problem driving on this racing rig right it's in vr so you do the same thing like you check your rear view mirror you just move your head left and right the, you turn the wheel left the wheel it, the car turns left it just works so i've always been able to win these races we would have customers there was parking spots right in front of the store like i could see the parking spot and i would see people come up park in that parking spot and be like hey i want to play on the racing rig i'm like dope set them up they start playing and they they start finishing dead last. I mean, they're running over medians. They're crashing in other cars. They're not braking as they take corners. And I'm if you put in the easiest level, it auto brakes actually too. And somehow yeah. they still mess that up too. Somehow. Yeah. Sometimes when when we know they're not good at driving, 
uh, we'll put on auto brake, we'll put on assisted steering, all that stuff. And I'm still watching these people crash, like hit walls, spin their car around. And at this point, I'm, I'm stuck because this is very realistic driving with an existential problem. Do I let this person, after they're done playing, get back into their vehicle that I saw them drive here in and leave? Or do I, like, try to take their keys or, or like, call the cops or call the DMV to try to get their license revoked? Because It's like a new age version of being a bartender, right? Like, when you see the guy stumbling and you know this guy showed up in a car and you gotta be like, hey... Um, but at least in that case, we know for sure, like, it's a bad thing, but it's like... They clearly parked here. They're not intoxicated, but they drive in VR as if they were. You drive like an asshole, dude. <laughs> like you, I know this is a race, but you cut that guy off and you cut him off so poorly that the back of your car hit the front of his car. So now you're spinning hot. Like, are you driving like this okay, on to be the fair, streets? I, I think was it was it Taco or you that killed a man? In that game. <laughs> I think it was Taco. Taco, Taco actually killed someone. managed to flip someone. someone over, which is extremely difficult, by the way. And then he flipped himself over, which is even more difficult somehow. Because, again, it's it's VR. Like, you're not... You can't do the same kind of tricks you would do with, like, a controller or a keyboard. And he managed to flip the thing over, which was in- incredible to watch. But he also killed a man, too. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe people just are being really reckless and they think they're invincible because they're in VR. You're, like, you're not actually going to die. And it's true. But also, like, sometimes It's still an attitude we- I don't really want because already in a car, you, it already gives you a little sense of safety because you're in a vehicle with metal yeah. and, and clothes and everything. So I, I'm a little worried about that, too. Maybe that explains the drivers in California. Yeah, I was just, we just spent the whole last episode complaining about how bad the driving is in LA, and here I am, like, all right, I saw this guy pull right up and just start Maybe that makes wrecking sense. vehicles. I, I don't have the ego to say, oh, I'm actually a good driver, but at least I try not to be reckless, you know? And similarly, when I got into that machine, I did not really have a problem. I remember that. I don't think I won, but I wasn't, like, spinning out all the time, you know? It's just you didn't get just in the regular. car crash. I've driven on that road. That's the, oh yeah, that's the other thing. The main track is the highway one north of the Golden Gate Bridge, and it kind of goes oh, through yes. Vallejo and around, which means it's a real highway that people actually drive on, and these people might actually drive on. It's kind of another part of the existential part of the, the <laughs> existential right. crisis of the whole thing. It's like this is a real road that you might one day be on, and it's it's curvy and mountainous, and probably dangerous if you're reckless about it. And here they are doing exactly that. Just absolutely wrecking cars, almost driving off the map. So that was that, it, that. was really interesting to watch people go on. But I think by far my favorite part about working at the Hero Hangout was when people would bring dates there. Now, I myself have had many a successful date. If, if you don't live near a VR arcade or you haven't ever been to a VR arcade, definitely go to one. But especially if you live near one. And it's cuffing season right now. You're trying to find someone to, you know, not be lonely on Valentine's Day with. VR is such an incredible date activity. It is, I have 100% success rate in putting girls in VR. It is fantastic. So I highly recommend it. But other men, other than me, have figured out that this is an incredible date idea. So I would love it when couples would come in and 
uh, sometimes I try to feel them out, right? Because I, it, we're in like one room, so I, I can hear the whole conversation, right? I'm not eavesdropping on them. I can literally just hear them talking to each other because they're both in separate booths. And you can kind of get the feeling on, oh, they've been together for a while, so you don't really need to wingman. Like, oh, shit, this is a first date. Let's get it, boys. So I remember there was one where they were very clearly on the first date. This guy's really well-dressed, kind of business casual, right? He's got his shirt tucked in. His girls, she's wearing like a really flowy, like pretty dress like they were going to go out on a picnic very very nice looking couple guy comes into me before the girl comes in um and is like hey man uh we have one hour booked but is there any way we can privately book the side room uh i'm on a date with this young lady and i'm like you know we usually don't do bookings for the side room the side room has all these retro consoles and it's somewhere we can kind of hang out it's kind of a waiting room but i'm like but you know what man I got you. I got you. It was a really slow day. It was like Tuesday night or something like that. So I'm like, you guys, you guys have that room afterwards. So they go through the initial like VR introduction. And now I'm in wingman Nikki mode. This guy was super nice, paid up front. And I wanted to make sure that they had a good time. So I put them in this game called Richie's Plank Experience. It is a, basically a game where you go all the way to the top of this building. It's like 30 stories high. There's a plank like there would be on a pirate ship. Walk the plank matey. And then you walk over the edge, you fall, you hit the ground. It has no effect on Mia Kuehler anymore. I've been in VR for so long. But what it does to normal people is it activates that flight or fight response of, oh shit, you could fall and die. I've literally put a separate guy in this before, in this game, where he got to the top of the plank and you take a little elevator up and then there's the plank. Yes. He would not leave the elevator. For 15 minutes, he was trying to work up the courage. <laughs> I don't remember if he ever did or, or he didn't. But he was shaking. His fucking palms were sweating. I know this because we have to wipe down the controllers afterwards. <laughs> there's a, he was there with two girls. They're like, come on, jump, jump. And he's like, <gasps> like dude's hyperventilated. Like, he is full on immersed. There's something there's something really like like a futuristic, absurd, like a shitty future kind of situation of a guy like literally like having like a panic attack while two girls are next to him saying, Jump, jump, jump. <laughs> like telling him to jump off this building. It, there's something just really kind of like telling this to like a person in the 1930s or something. This is what it's like in 2019. So you can see what they're doing in 2D, of course, because it's on a computer yes. screen outside of yes. VR, right? So in real life, this guy's like in the corner of a box, right? Just like hugging the walls like, I can't do it, man. No, just close your eyes for a second. I can do this. You can do this. You can do this. It's not real. It's not real. And meanwhile, we're sitting there like, bro, he's not going to fall at all, right? <laughs> So sometimes what people will do is they'll take the heads off. Like, All right, you do it. You do it. And I remember people have done this to Kuehler. I'd be like, is, is Kuehler suicidal? <laughs> like, why? Why was that so easy? Because we've both done it dozens of times. Um, but this guy, every minute that passes, I mean, we make another dollar. <laughs> so I don't care how long he takes to do it. But anyway, back onto this date. So I put them in the same experience. And one thing that I've learned is you always put the chick in the experience first. So I have her go in and be like, yeah, you guys should try out this game first. It's really easy. All you have to do is jump off a building. They're like, ooh, sounds thrilling. They're a little bit of the thrill seekers. I like these guys. So I put the girl in first, right? And uh, I'm like, all right. So just hit that button. She goes up to the top. And they always have the same reaction. When those elevator doors open, you can see you're 30 feet off the ground. They go, whoa. It's kind of like a oh I didn't expect that and yeah even my even my first time I kind of felt that actually the first time I played that game I even when the yeah. doors open it's still a bit of a like oh that's a 
that's that feel that definitely feels more immersive than I was expecting from virtual reality. I still jumped, but like, you know, I definitely felt like a little bit of the of the exhilaration. Some drops. Yeah, I'm like, okay, that definitely feels immersive and stuff like that. But then I like, I guess I've hanged out with you for so long. I'm like, yes, but also it isn't real. It's kind of like the stake scene in the Matrix or something. I'm just gonna jump. Let's go. So, my favorite thing about putting uh, putting people in this experience, especially couples, is you put the girl in first. You can really get a feeling for the guy, and he was super supportive. Like, no, don't worry, I'll catch you. Like, you're not going to fall. Oh. You kind of get to see how they interact. And it was absolutely adorable. Now, I, when you put, like, dads in this shit, I'm not expecting, like, you know, a 250-pound, like, beer belly, like, dad. I'm not expecting his wife to catch him. So I'm there, and I've caught a 300-pound dad oh before. Some people fucking jump. Like, I caught this guy. My, I got the technique down. You put um your forearms kind of like under their armpits and you catch them as they fall forward right yeah people get yes. immersed they'll dolphin dive they'll straight fall forward it's like bro okay if you <laughs> land on your feet if you walk off the, you, you make sure your vocabulary you walk off the plank you don't jump off the plank or you say you step off the plank you don't say dive off the plank because they will fucking dive <laughs> they will dive so even being careful with my vocabulary i have had to catch people right but, but with her, like, we kind of had the guy like, okay, I'll hold your hand. I'll walk you to the front of the plank and then just jump. And it, it was really cute. And then she's like, oh, my God, that was so scary. And then she, you do it. You do it. And he can seem a little bit brave because he saw what it was like. And then he does it. He's like, oh, yeah, you're so brave. It's like, yes, all right. We're getting this off to a good start. And then you put them I in some, of, like, cute co-op I kinda together. Go, I kind of want to, like, obviously, this is impossible because not only do I not live there, the arcade no longer exists. But, like... Find find a date for someone who would like take me to the VR arcade and like pretend like I've never played VR before, <laughs> and then you, you go through this whole shit with like here's a thing and then I just jump, you know. Like, All right, jump off the edge. Like, All right, okay. got time. The way to do this all my life. <laughs> but anyway, that was uh, that was yeah, super cute. Thing that won't work for me. I can. I'm not. I know too much VR because I've spent too much time around Nikki. So I have I have the whole experience together, right? One of the things that any like dumb dating website will tell you is like, oh, do something that's a little bit active because it gets your heart rate up, it releases a little bit of dopamine, makes you kind of like the other person a little bit better. Do some light cardio, right? Um, so then I you know put them in Beat Saber afterwards. They're all laughing about how bad they are, and I have I have wingmanned many a date at the VR arcade. And so after that whole thing, it went really well. He was like, hey, Nikki, uh, can we like, go in the side room? Like, yeah, go off there, chill. So they're like cuddling on the beanbags in the side room, like playing. We had old like NES and a Sega Genesis and like a PlayStation 2. Like they're having fun playing their own games over there at the side. And what I would do is I would bring my Switch because I'm a fucking uh, millennial and just plug it into the TVs <laughs> there. So I was prepared. I had PlayStation 2 the- is a millennial console. I, I guess it is, one. yeah, too. Yeah. But uh, we had, like, an N64 back there. They, they had a fantastic date. Um, you know, it was, like, it was 8 o'clock. We were closing down. Um, and I was like, hey, guys, I'm closing down right now. But you know what? Just take your time going out. They took an extra, like, five minutes. And, like, I could hear them laughing in the back. It was super heartwarming. They came out. Uh, dude shook my hand. This was pre-COVID time, so it was safe to do so. And they dipped on out. So I hope he got some that night. I'm like 99.9% sure he did. It went so well. She was giggling the whole time. And I have formulated this perfect first date experience. Like, I've used it myself. You have the noodle shop Kuhler has talked about next door. You have 
the game room in the back and then you have like a little bit of vr which back in what 2018 2019 VR was a lot less well-known. We didn't have the Oculus Quest 1 and 2. And, like, I feel like it's very mainstream now. So, this it's a little bit less surprising and people are more familiar with VR. Yeah. But back then, it was mind-blowing. This might be a thing that only exists at the time. And so, I had curated my perfect first date. And I had helped other men come through the Hero Hangout on their perfect first date. And so, that's one of the reasons I'm really sad that the Hero Hangout came down. Because I... Even though I worked there, I also would use it as my premier, like, first through third date location. And it was fantastic every single time. Like, I had seen other men go through it, and I had curated it myself and figured out, like, where to park and where to go and, and all the, like, small logistics the of it. 21st century version of, like, the kiss the girl scene from The Little Mermaid or something. Like, instead of Caribbean music and, like, a bunch of fish, it's technology virtual realities virtual suicide it doesn't doesn't, no one's ever died at the arcade i have seen blood oh i'll tell that story next (laughs) we've gotten some close calls thankfully we got rid of that thing yeah i'm just really sad in in the pandemic it's really sad in the pandemic never, and with the business the other closing, part. it's not going to work anymore. Yeah, that's the other sad part is that I haven't been there since before the pandemic. In fact, not even like right before the pandemic. We didn't even do like a going away party. It was like a couple months before the pandemic ended it was the last time I was there. And I will never get to go there again. It's kind of sad. It's really sad, actually, because that was like my hangout yeah. spot. So literally the hangout spot. Yeah, I mean, like, it was, since I never paid anything, you know, like, it was literally just my hangout spot, and especially when I was, like, didn't have many things to do around San Mateo, because it's not the most exciting place, it's full of boomers, it was great to have a place where, like, and you did not live near me, like, you lived across the bridge, I think, as we've said in another episode, so it's, like, there's a toll separating us, and it's not, like, a thing I, and there's also the fact that that highway is stuffed until, like, 8.30 p.m. because of everyone's driving out to go to the east because they can't afford to live in this part of the Bay Area or in that part of the Bay Area. Um, So it was like a chance to go actually see people like nearby me without having to worry about that. And that was really useful and that was really valuable at the time. And I wish I could have gone again and I wanted to go again uh, in September when I went to visit and that wasn't possible. Not only was it the greatest date spot that I've ever been to, especially for where I was and my interests, and I kind of like nerdier girls, so of course I'd want someone who is at least mildly interested in VR, and I've worked in the VR industry, and I really like working with Leo in particular, because Leo kind of let us do whatever the fuck we wanted. We ran, and this is before Pokemon Go ranked PvP came out, we ran Pokemon Go tournaments at the Hero Hangout. Yes. We literally had like 20, 30 people for the first. It was the Boulder Cup. It was Pokemon Go PvP had just released. We literally had like 20 to 30 people hang out and play Pokemon there. It was so much fun. When Community Day would come around, when I was still super into Pokemon Go, I would go across the street to Central Park and we would just have a mob of Pokemon players going around from gym to gym doing raids, like hanging out, catching Pokemon on Community Day. And then when you wanted to cool down, you'd go to the noodle shop or you'd go down to the grocery store and get a drink or you'd sit in the Hero Hangout and we'd turn up the air conditioning. And we were able to run like Pokemon tournaments there because both of us at the time played Pokemon Go 
And at the end of the day, as long as some of them stayed around to play VR afterwards, which they did, or customers walked by and like, oh, what's going on here? Kind of saw that the building was full. It was pretty nice for us to do. And so we got to get in yeah. touch with the local community also and the local Pokemon players and the local people who enjoyed you know, going on VR dates or bringing their families in and all that. So it was really fulfilling when I worked there for, I don't remember, it was like a year or two. And I got to start it with Leo. Now, the one bad thing, our ice cream machine. Well, we sp- I said earlier, we hinted that we've seen blood at the Hero Hangout before. <laughs> yeah. Twice. <laughs> this is like the, the dark story or something, right? Like the dead bodies behind the closet. We had. Said, no, no we one ever died. Bodies. No one died, okay. but we've had close calls. You've had I've close calls. I wasn't there when that happened. We could do a full like episode on stories of me working in at the hero hangout retail i've, I've always wanted to do like a hero hangout sit we can do some more like we can do like another next week's or something unless unless some activision level shit breaks out i guess yeah right anyway so our ice cream machine at the hero hangout was the cat vr this thing was a steaming pile of horse shit that we only used for the first couple months and then i just didn't want to put people in it anymore so the cat VR is an omnidirectional treadmill. K-A-T-V-R, if you want to go look it up yourself. Yeah, don't buy one and don't ever use one. Yeah, don't buy it one if you want to see what it looks horrible. like so you can see what we're talking about. So imagine like a bowl and you're kind of running in a bowl and that's how the catwalk works is you don't really move anywhere. You think of a normal treadmill, the floor is moving. In this, it's kind of in a bowl so your feet are sliding back and forth. There are sensors on your feet that can detect that you're walking and that's kind of how the the omnidirectional treadmill part works. Now, this thing is not to be used by beginners. If it's your first time in VR, I think it's a terrible thing to do. First off, people got motion sick. The games were not really well made. If you were, say, like using a gun, right, and your front hand was kind of forward on like the the part you'd cock a shotgun on, if you turned, you could hit the sides of this machine if your arms were long enough because there was a little post on it that held you up. So that part sucked. There is a harness that went around your stomach that kind of dropped down from above. And the harness really did a good job of holding you in place. But sometimes people got way too immersed. And if you took too big of a step forward, if you were a six foot tall man and you took the biggest step you can forward, you would step off the treadmill. And this happened twice where because there's a harness around your waist, if you step forward and slip or you step forward too far, What happens is the harness holds you in place, but you slip. So your feet come off the ground and like a fulcrum, your head comes down and you're wearing a VR headset and you're holding controllers. You can't really catch yourself. You're effectively blindfolded. And so twice, I'm going to say hypothetically here in just case lawyers get involved. Hypothetically, this is a made up story. Potentially, maybe twice. People have flipped over hit the VR headset on the base of the catwalk, pushing it into their nose, and their feet go flying up in the air. And it's cut people because of a VR headset pushes up against your face. The little like part of your nose where glasses would sit on, well, there's a VR headset there, so it would, yeah, push into the bridge of your nose, and, and it's cut people before. Now, there was never like a real serious injury where like someone's lost an eye, but people have not been careful on those things. They were running too fast or maybe they were playing a zombie game and they got scared and they fell backwards or something. And eventually it just became too much of a pain in the ass to set up because instead of giving someone a headset and controllers, you had to give them a headset, controllers, strap them into the machine, strap things to their shoes. And it was just way too much of a pain. 
uh, we eventually took it apart and people kept getting hurt on it. People kept asking about it, like, oh, that's so cool. And people are always like, you know, for VR to go to that next step, what we need is omnidirectional treadmills. Tell me you don't know shit about VR without telling me you don't know shit about <laughs> VR. Because if you think the thing that we need the most for VR to gain mainstream adaptation is omnidirectional treadmills, you're dead fucking wrong. Because I've been on tons of them. I've been on the, the Omniverse. I think that's what it's called. Or the Omni. It's like an, it's a different brand, but effectively the same thing. I've been on the ones that are actually treadmills. I played Skyrim VR on the treadmills that they act the floor actually moves. And for the first 10 minutes, you legitimately feel like you're drunk. It's really weird. Like you're sober completely. But your body moves as if you're super drunk. I eventually got used to it after 10 minutes, but I only had a 15-minute appointment to use the thing. Um, and that's not what we need. Those those methods of locomotion have a long way to go. There's many other things we need to improve, like battery life and comfort and cost and range of experiences. We talked about in another episode how uh, Oculus is not letting people put rhythm games out there anymore because there's just too many goddamn rhythm games. Tons of other things we need in VR. But anyway... I have plenty of more stories. I think we'll, we'll cut it there. But if you guys want to hear more stories, let us know. Yeah, I think uh, we can cut it there. Shampoo on Twitter. For the here, hang on. We, we need like a okay. proper eulogy episode. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, I have to go rock climbing after this. So we have time for one more story. Should we do Democrats versus Scalpers? Or should we do the Mr. Beast Squid we Game could. one? We could. We could cover both, honestly, say- quickly, honestly. Because okay. now we've said so them both do- and we can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I can't go back. All right. So Mr. Beast did his gigantic squid game video. It was, it was the equivalent of like a Marvel movie release on YouTube. And it was a 25-minute, 41-second-long video. He took all of the games from Squid Game and basically put them into one video. Now, there's a lot of commentary on this. Uh, the deleted tweet from at every vowel on Twitter I found because tweets are forever. He said... <laughs> At Mr. Beast Squid Game video, 103 million views in four days. It took seven weeks to make. Netflix's Squid Game series, 11, uh, 111 million views in 30 days. It took 10 years to make. More views, less time, fewer gatekeepers. That's the promise of the creator economy. And then uh, at Ron Fonches on Twitter says, Yes, it's easier to copy someone else's hard work for profit. That's not creator economy. That's con man economy. So my opinion on this is somewhere in the middle, right? Every vowel is very much an advocate for the creator economy, but this is a, not a very genuine argument, right? I think Squid it's game. a really stupid argument to it. I don't, I think people were, I'll let you say your thing first, but I will like at least preface in saying, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing what was happening here. I just think it's a really stupid argument to make. But I'll let you yeah. go first. So Squid Game taking 10 years to make is not exactly accurate. I think the producer wrote it 10 years ago and then had a hard time getting people to buy it. And then they eventually put it through production. So 10 years making it is a little bit disingenuous. Uh, 103 million views versus 111 million views. If we do it by views, then sure. And as of right now, Mr. Beast's video has 126 million views so it's gone way way up and it's december 1st if we look at watch time the watch the actual watch time of netflix's squid game must be way longer because it's an actual series i forget how many episodes it was nine 
you know, nine episodes. The actual like number that. of hours watched is way higher than people who have watched this about 20 second or 26 minute long video. There's also the fact that Mr. Beast's Squid Game video wouldn't have gotten this many views if it were not based off a hit TV series that's trending and that everyone is talking about. And there's the entire commentary of Squid Game is lost. Squid Game is anti-capitalist, like, oh, poor people are having such a hard time. And it had a message behind it where Mr. Beast's Squid Game, no one died. That's the first big key point. Uh, they had foam pits everywhere, so no one actually fell and got hurt. The original Squid Game, one of the main parts of the premise was only the winner gets the money at the end. Mr. B's Squid Game, I think there was one instance where if you made it to round two, you got $2,000. And before round three, if you left, you get $4,000. He gave money to people. I think second place got some money as well. Every step of the way, and he spent $456,000 in giving money to first place. But he gave tons of money out to people who had made it throughout the competition. Where in the actual Squid Game, you just fucking die. You don't get anything unless you get first place. So that's also another big discrepancy. And the, the the moral of the actual Netflix show was a commentary on capitalism. I actually was in Koreatown in LA and I saw Squid Game merch. And, and people are really missing the point of the show. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if you were to buy Squid Game merch... But you watch the show, it defeats the message of the show. Now there's, now there's also the, the, should we give money to artists who make this kind of work that criticize this thing because they have yeah. to exist under the same system. This, this, this could go to a whole book, right? Like people have yeah. been arguing this shit since like the 1800s, since people started really criticizing um, anything that, that we would discreetly call capitalism. So we're not going to go through the whole thing. But yeah, it's a levels of... Whatever. I, I will at least, if I can add my own things, I question yeah. the viewership. So YouTube has a very good way to, to see viewers because it's a free website that you can go to and watch it. And it has a little counter that will count every person who watches it effectively, right? And everyone generally will just watch it because YouTube, right? And you can rewatch it and you can watch it again and it will keep doing a little ticker. Um, if You don't even have to have an account and it will still record the, the view, right? Because it's YouTube. Netflix, we have to consider who has Netflix, who shared the Netflix account, who is pirating the show, watching oh, yeah. streams of it online, who is watching it in a room with someone else, who is streaming on Discord for like 20 other people in a, in a, in a voice chat or something, who's doing like all these variations of the viewership, and it might be a lot higher, I think, if we were to add all that up, um... Because not everybody is necessarily going to go to Netflix, whereas there's no reason to not go to YouTube to watch Mr. Beast's video, because again, YouTube is just free and accessible and kind of available on everything, whereas Netflix is not. I do not have a Netflix subscription because they literally would not let me pay them. For like three months, I tried to use my credit card and they kept rejecting it, even though it was valid. And I just gave up. So that's like, I'd be one example of someone who would not be registered as a viewer, but would technically still be, I, if I go watch it, it will effectively be uh, a view of the show. And then the other part, which is like, yeah, you, like one has to take from the other. Squid Game might maybe, depending on how the artist will, like, go and use this in the future, will have some level of, like, longevity, whereas YouTube videos tend to get really big in the beginning and then kind of taper off oh, yeah. as time goes on. They don't really hold for very long 
in the same way as like famous shows that do like breaking bad is still getting viewers it's not as many as it did beforehand but it's certainly getting people watching it whereas like a fan work off of it might just kind of immediately taper off and who knows his video might do the same thing you know, the Squid Game gets a resurgence in popularity. His video might be a little bit, but it might not be the same. And they're saying he's, like, parasitic. They're saying he's, like, con man economy or whatever. I don't think it's negative. It's, a, like, fan works is a thing that happens, right? People have been made fan films. They make fan art. They make fan whatever. His is, like, a really expensive and high production fan work. It's still a fan work, and I think that's fine, and sometimes they get very popular and they get really viewed a ton, but we also kind of understand that there's this other economy with the people that are making, like, the fresh original content. And so this inspires it. Like, Twilight was started as a fan work, so, like, go ahead, and you can turn that into something else, but... I think there's the, you have to the, the acknowledgement that there's someone who's making this base work that you can then make something else off of. And it's cool that this happens, but it's not really a sign that one is replacing the other. There's way better examples to show that YouTube is replacing the other, but it is definitely like getting a script and a publisher and having to go through companies and distribution still is necessary if you want to do something like a full TV show. There is no really good alternative for that on YouTube. Yeah, like you said, Killer, one's not replacing the other. I've watched both, and I enjoy both for different reasons. Mr. Beast's Squid Game was fantastic. It just took the games. There's no moral to the story. You don't follow. I don't know who any of the characters are. I don't even remember who won. <laughs> but the actual seeing the games in real life part was cool. He did a great job recreating the sets. The actual Squid Game actually had some deep commentary behind it and a lot of plot twists that were surprising and that Mr. Beast based off of in his I think if you were going to do a good creator economy argument, you'd do something like Philip DeFranco's show, which is a competitor to Mm -hmm. actual news. A lot of, like, now this is something that you're getting the same thing, but in different mediums. You're not, he's not just taking what, like, CNN says and just kind of, like, parroting it or making a derivative work out of it. He is doing his own research and presenting it in in a way that is fitting to the format of YouTube. And for some people, it really works. And he's definitely made tons of money doing so and been able to kind of create a little media empire out of out of doing so. And that's maybe an example of something where the content is not necessarily necessary for other things. And e- even then, I mean, you could say, okay, well, he's not going to have like the investigative journalism level of like K-File or something. But at some point, there's still a kind of thing like he's. I think he. I've definitely felt more informed by his show than say like the local newspaper's international section or something. So yeah, there's some. That is like a good example, but I don't think this. This was like a terrible example of trying to prove that the creator economy is better than the actual like publishing and distribution economy because they don't. These aren't really even competing with each other. Yeah, I got to give some respect to Mr. Beast and Philip DeFranco. Philip DeFranco has com- completely replaced my normal news consumption. I got yeah, exactly. For a lot of, of young people, they definitely seem to get their news from the internet. And that is like a thing that has actually completely changed the entire fabric. Like actual news organizations present their news in a way that looks more like YouTube videos when they go online than when they do videos now, just because of how much it's changed the way this is done. But obviously they still have to do it the old way. Yeah, I, I got to give Mr. Beast some some respect, too. I did say he, he copied Squid Game, but he couldn't have copied them without 
the sponsor that he had in the video. All, the insane amount of money and production and skill and coordination yeah, that it took. It's a cool thing. It's a cool thing to be able to do that. Yeah, it's a, it's a derivative copy. work, and they're cool. Yeah. yeah like he, he's, he didn't make a TV show. He made doing the thing. It, it's like a Disneyland park, I guess, in a way, right? It's like going to the Star Wars park in Disneyland or something. Like, yeah, obviously it's based off something that exists, but the cool part is we're seeing it in like a different way, right? He put it in real life as opposed to like a movie yeah. set, which obviously like a lot of things in a movie set you can touch and they're made of foam or something and they'll fall over. He made like a real thing. It's kind of cool. Yeah, and to make in it a real way, thing, yeah, you, I mean, you can't copy it with any like normal person's amount of effort production money and resources like he actually i've been privy to some mr beast negotiations before and i've seen some things that he's wanted to do that just like he wants to do it so crazy that <laughs> that that is unbelievable so the fact that like he copied it but the also the fact that he got the resources and he's just he's a youtube creator he's not a big mainstream celebrity or anything that he was still able to do this and gather the resources and put it all together and then generate this many views I mean, he's got 82.2 million subscribers on youtube uh we got to give him a, a little respect on yeah, that he has a good and like organizing shit is hard L like you, you think like oh yeah anybody with enough money could do it and like it's i mean obviously it's way easier like if i cannot just go out and do it right because i'm not mr beast i don't have this, this kind yeah. of do it but like but at the same time even if i did even someone with that kind of resources might fail i mean there's a reason why like fanime our local anime convention is successful and DashCon is still parodied to this day um, because sometimes you can have those resources and still just utterly fail at actually knowing what to do with them. So, yeah, there's some value to that. Again, it's kind of, to me, like, when going back to Star Wars analogy, when I see someone, like, make their own, like, lightsaber handle or something that they put together, it's, it's a good craftsmanship, right? It's, it has zero depth of, like, the messages of the movie or whatever they might be saying or whatever. It's literally just shiny thing. I want this for myself. But it's, there's value in that, I guess, if you want to see it. And I just don't feel like discussing the in-depth nature of the, the ethics or, or the morality of, of recreating a show that was supposed to be like about the rat race or something but the, enough people have probably talked about that you can go see what they say all right we'll talk about the democrats versus scalpers next week we're out of time yeah. on the Alexis podcast thing, it's, it's a new law that's coming out regarding um stopping scalpers and stuff we'll cover that next time we'll talk about it next week thanks for listening tuesday uh, 8 p.m. PT, Twitch.tv slash Del Shampoo, and rate us on Spotify and iTunes. See you some other time.